Hello and welcome to the Sports Ethos DFS Today podcast. I am your host, Mike Patria, joined by the one and only Harris Kermani, here to break down this wonderful Monday, January 3rd slate. That's January 3rd, 2022, Harris. I know we last we spoke, it was 2021. It's been a while, my friend, but how are you? Yeah, well, Happy New Year to everyone. It's been great. Glad to be back here on New Year. Got a 10-game slate to start things off. And, you know, unlike my own health, the Raptors are back to full health. So that's a nice little way to uh, get things going, even though they have us sitting at home the whole time now. All of our January games got canceled, which is no fun. But, anyway, it's been good basketball. It's good to get uh, everyone back. And in general, you know, they got the COVID protocols down to, what, five days now? So it's, it's getting more manageable. Better for fantasy as well, not having to look over your shoulder every time you put someone in until, you know, the hope that they're in, actually. Well, we're going to have to do like a little uh, a little test, a little, you know, experiment just to see what the Raptors record looks like with you out without you going to the games compared to going to the games. Uh, just see if there's anything that we need to kind of monitor going forward, whether or not we just got to keep you home for Raptors fans sake uh, or actually, you know, let you go back to those games once they, once they allow it. But uh, glad to glad to have you back, man, as always. I uh, hope you had a great new year. Hope everybody else listening to this had a great new year as well. And yeah, you're right. This looks like a fun 10 game slate, man. I'm really excited about this one. Uh, you know, you always get those feelings sometimes on slates before uh, before they kick off. And, you know, I've always been one of those guys where it's like generally when I get the great feeling is when I is when I, you know, tone it down a little bit because it's just how it's just how any sort of gambling or fantasy or DFS works is when you think you got it in the bag, you get kicked right in your teeth. And then the nights where it's like, ah, I'm not really feeling it. Let me load up one or two contests uh, and the nights I generally do a lot better. But I've been I've been on a little heater, uh, a little bit of a heater with some of the calls lately. Looking to keep it for uh, looking forward to keeping it going. But we have 10 games before we jump into anything. Quick shout out to Thrive Fantasy guys. Come prop up with us over there. If you haven't already joined, if you haven't signed up, I really don't know what you're waiting for. This promo code it makes it worthwhile. Uh, and if you're wondering what Thrive Fantasy is, it's a fantasy or a daily fantasy sports and esports app only for player props. So with Thrive, you eliminate the countless hours of research, focus only on top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. So you won't be talking about a lot of these G League guys or uh, you know your free agents being signed off the out of retirement. Uh, it's only going to be the top tier guys, and what you do is choose ten out of twenty available player props to build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and under, based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props, rack up the most points, and win a share of the prize pool. Thrive is over fifty thousand in guaranteed prizes weekly for the NBA and has awarded over six million dollars so far. So head over there. Use the promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, when you sign up, and you receive a 100% instant first deposit match on up to $100. Download Thrive Fantasy in the App Store or Play Store, or you can visit their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop today. All right, my good friend, we have 10 games. First game on the docket it is the Charlotte Hornets on the second half of a back-to-back going against the Washington Wizards. For the Hornets, no injury report just yet. We just saw that P.J. Washington was ruled out last minute of tonight's game. Uh, but for the Wizards, Thomas Bryant, Spencer Dinwiddie, Anthony Gill, Rui Hachimura, Montrezl Harrell, Aaron Holiday, Raul Neto, and Brad Wanamaker have all already been ruled out. Uh, we do not have a game line or a total uh, just yet for this game, so we're going to have to keep an eye on it. But I expect it to be fairly high. I'll pass it over to you. Why don't you start off with the uh, Charlotte Hornets? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just one of those games where the Hornets will be 
on a second half of a back-to-back, but given how badly they got their butts kicked tonight, you saw the minutes total were kept pretty low in that Phoenix game. They were 133 to 99. Everyone in the starting lineup pretty much played uh, 25 minutes or less, except for, uh, uh, in fact, in fact, no, none of them did. All of them were 25 minutes or less. So I think it's a pretty good spot for them to be able to come back in a Washington game where, you know, Washington themselves have been you know, playing pretty well as of late. So I expect this game to actually be kind of a high-paced, pretty close one. I, I know we don't have the point spread as of yet, but I expect it to be somewhere in the low single digits because it's just one of those games where Washington will remain pesky at home and Charlotte being the best offense in the league will be able to take advantage of that. Now, LaMelo, who's coming off a bad game, again, is back on that sub 10,000 range. He's kind of been alternating between you know, pretty good games and you know, slightly mediocre ones. And I think this is going to be one of those where he gets the opportunity to be able to come back. So I'm really liking him at 9,500. A number of these other guys are pretty fairly priced on there, so I think Lamelo is pretty much where I'm sticking. I do expect at some point Miles Bridges is going to get that turnaround game as well. He's just kind of been, you know, hit, sitting around that 40 DK points most of these times, which is pretty good considering uh, his salary is all the way down to 7,400. But I do think with the rest of the slate, we have a couple of opportunities to get guys who can get uh, six, if not seven X. So, you know, Lamelo is probably the major guy I'm sticking with here. Yep, probably the only guy for me too. It's just like you said. You, you said it perfectly. The, the size of the slate, the amount of options we have, we have to limit our player pool. It's easy to say that you know there's two guys in this game or three guys on this side of the ball that we really like. Uh, you know, we might have interest in them, but compared to other options that we have available, I think Labelle is the only guy I'm looking at. I mean, you said it perfectly. They got blown out today. It's a good bounce back spot for him. Uh, these teams have already played twice this season. Lamelo put up about 53 DK points as an average in both those, played heavy minutes in both those. So and he's just about averaging a triple-double against this team. Uh, sign me up. I'm good with Lamelo. He's probably one of my top spend-ups. Uh, I have one other guy, and it's funny because uh, they actually both happen to be in this game, and it's going to be Bradley Beal on the other side of the ball. Uh, I've been riding the Beal train since he's been playing point guard. With all these point guards sitting out, it's been point Beal, and came out with a career-high 17 assists in that last game, 10 assists the game prior. That's all we needed. I mean, I've been off of Beal all season long until he saw, uh, swapped over to point guard, and it's simply because he just needed something else to kind of elevate his scoring ability in his game. Uh, and if there's any possible way his usage could have gone up anymore, it's doing this. So still getting 20-plus shot attempts, but now opens up the whole assist avenue where if he's going to get close to eight, nine assists uh, like he's been doing over the past three games, I'm good with that. So I think Bradley Beal at 10-4 is definitely an option. Uh, Gafford now being priced up to 6K. Only played 20 minutes against Chicago, which, you know, against his former team, you a little surprising. Uh, close game, everything else. He wasn't in foul trouble. So, you know, going back, I'm probably going to have to review that one a little bit just to kind of see exactly what happened. Um, not too sure why he only played 20. Maybe you have the answer when I pass it over to you. But at 6K, I still have a ton of interest in, uh, in Daniel Gafford. I mean, Charlotte's been pretty poor against opposing centers. They've been getting killed by three-point shots. So those are the two spots I look. And with Beal and Gafford, my two number one options are number one and number two option, I guess. Yeah, and I, I think for Gafford, it was purely because he just wasn't playing well. Yes, the, the numbers themselves looked great, 19 and 8 in that time. But he was a minus 12, and he was getting absolutely blown apart every time Vucevic was... Uh you know, given him as a defensive assignment. So I just think it was purely a matchup-based move for them. And I do expect he'll get back into a regular kind of minute rotation in this game. That being said, for, you know, that 6,000-ish range, I think there are other center options, especially one of my favorites is coming up for 6,600. He's going to be in there in that pool for that. So I'll probably jump on that. I do agree with you on Beal. If uh, if you feel LaMelo is going to be doing well, 
maybe it's one of those situations where you run it back with uh, with Beal on the other side and look through for value on the other end. I know we don't like going too, too heavy on one game, but I think both these guys are in a really, really good spot to be able to pretty much smash the value that's over here. As you said, Beal as a point guard has been you know, a revelation. He looks more engaged altogether. He just looks more comfortable with everything that's going on. So I think at 10-4, that's a pretty good price tag for him to be able to get to somewhere close to that 60 range again. And can't go wrong with that. All right, we'll move on to the next game. Houston Rockets traveling to Philadelphia, taking on the 76ers for the Rockets. Armani Brooks, uh, Dejuan Girard, Alfred Sangoon, all ruled out. Eric Gordon is questionable. Miles Powell, Ben Simmons, Jaden Springer are all out. And then your boy Matisse Thibel is questionable. And I say your boy because it is your boy. <laughs> uh, we do not have a game total or a spread, but we got to imagine the spread is going to be fairly significant in this one. I'll pass over Houston to you, the away team, and give me your best take because I'm <laughs> kind of intrigued to see what you have to say about some of these guys given the situation that happened in that last game. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious. I mean, Kevin Porter Jr. just can't seem to find himself uh, out of trouble, whether it's throwing food in Cleveland to be able to get himself thrown out there over a locker or whether it's whatever happened at halftime over here, both for him and Christian Wood. So it's just it's one of those where you really need to get, kind of keep track of what's going on, because I have a feeling the Rockets are going to tr- try and be you know, a little bit disciplinary on these guys. I have a feeling they may sit these guys out one game just to kind of show them that you can't act like this. It's not professional. Uh, that being said, I do think Jalen Green, regardless of what situation comes out, is in play for 5,200. I think he's just one of those situations where he's getting himself into the groove. Again, the rookie wall hit him pretty badly early on in the year, but he's found himself much, much better, especially from his three-point shooting. Uh, he's been at about 50% for his last four games, if not slightly better. And it's just one of those things where if he gets the opportunity, especially if uh, either of uh, Kevin Porter Jr. or Christian Wood are out, I expect him to be the number one offensive guy on this team. So I do think there are a number of really great options, but uh, the fact that he has that shooting guard eligibility will get tons of usage. Definitely puts him somewhere near the top of my player pool, so I'm excited to have him. And then uh, Jay Sean Tate as well. Again, that power forward situation, uh, being able to be essentially a point forward for this team whenever he gets that greater usage. And if it's not going to be Jalen Green, it's going to be going likely to Jay Sean Tate. So really keep track of the news on this one. But those guys at 5,200, I actually really like both of them at their price tags. And uh, I might even see myself pairing them. Yeah, I think I, I'm right on there with both. Those. I usually don't play too much Tate, to be honest. So, But I, I definitely see myself having some shares of Green. And then the only other guys I wanted to mention would be like Daniel Tice at 3,500. Uh, like you said, I'm expecting something to come of this whole, you know, throwing the soup and not not checking back in for Christian Wood. Uh, I say throwing the soup because I think that was J.R. Smith that threw soup uh, years ago. Yes. So now it's just always a fun guessing game where you try to guess what kind of food they threw. Uh, no one knows. Could have been soup. Could have been – I think I Googled it uh, about a year back last time. Kevin Porter Jr. threw food, and his favorite food is spaghetti, his mom said. So there's a decent chance it could have been macaroni or spaghetti that he threw – but in all seriousness, uh, you know, I expect there to be some sort of punishment, whether it's only playing a half, not starting, completely suspended. We don't know yet. So we're going to have to kind of monitor this and see. Nonetheless, I mean, Kevin Porter Jr., his thigh injury has me crossing him off left and right. I, I just don't trust this dude coming back and playing a full game regardless. But uh, I could see Daniel Tice with no Singoon, possibly no Wood. You know, it's a terrible matchup. Bottom line, it is not the best matchup. You don't want to target guys going against Embiid. It could be one of those issues. He gets into foul trouble fairly early, but they don't have anybody else. So, and for the sheer fact that this dude, if he can stay out of foul trouble, is going to play at least 30 minutes at 3,500, uh, be their number one rebounding option. 
I'm good with that. And then you said Tate, and I would also lump in uh, KJ Martin in there as well. He played 31 minutes in that game against Denver, put up 32 DK points. If we see no wood, uh, I can imagine blowout scenario, whatever you want to say. This guy's probably looking at a floor of about 25, 26, and upwards of 30 minutes, uh, regardless of the scenario. So those are the two that I would add in with the other guys you mentioned. On the Philly side of things, it's going to be tough for me to have a lot of interest. This game spread, especially if we see there's no Kevin Porter Jr. or no Wood, it would probably be around that 12 mark is what I'm imagining somewhere around there. It's, it's going to be significant. So I just don't want to spend the 11-4 on Joel Embiid in the game that I don't expect to stay close. Uh, Tobias Harris, is finally his price tag is finally coming down, 8-2. Uh, but I think there's better options that we could look at on this slate. Seth Curry and Tyrese Maxey. I always prefer Maxey over Curry for the most part. Played him against that uh, in Brooklyn against that uh, in that last one, and it paid off well. But I just don't trust this whole situation. I don't trust the game. I don't trust anything about this one. But I think Maxey would probably be the only guy I have even a little consideration for. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, although I, given the spread, I may actually find myself pivoting and throwing a little bit of Drummond in there, just that fifty-six hundred. You know. If, he had 16 minutes in the last game, and that was enough for him to drop 28 and a half, and his price tag has dropped down into that sub-6,000 range. So it's just one of those where, you know, if he gets an opportunity to play 20, 25 minutes in a game that's a blowout and they want to throw him out there, I think that's a good spot to be a little sneaky because he could easily drop 40 for you on those kind of nights. Obviously more of a GPP pivot rather than something in cash, but I think it's something to keep in mind given the other opportunities that may be there. Fair enough. Memphis Grizzlies traveling to Brooklyn taking on the Nets. This one should be a pretty fun one to watch. Aldridge is questionable due to right foot soreness. Joe Harris and Kyrie rolled out. And then for the Grizzlies, uh, Kyle Anderson, Dylan Brooks, Shaq Buchanan, John Conchard, DeAnthony Melton, Sam Merrill, Xavier Tillman, all rolled out. Zaire Williams is doubtful. Uh, this game right now looks like it doesn't have a game total or spread. Theme of the night. Actually, I'm looking. I might as well just say it now. We don't have any of them right now uh, from everything I'm seeing. So I'll pass it over to you because I know you want to talk about somebody at that $6,600 range, I'm sure. Uh, I'll let you handle the Memphis Grizzlies. There you go. And Memphis is given everyone just being out over here is going to be essentially running a six to seven person lineup on this. And I just think it's a great opportunity for them to be able to have a really high paced game. I mean, Brooklyn hasn't been incredible defensively throughout this time. And, you know, they kind of keep you in the game late. We saw that with the Clippers game in the last one, where even though you know, Brooklyn should have had that game in the bag, they just have that opportunity of just turning the ball over, keeping it close. And I expect Memphis is going to be one of those teams to take advantage of that. So Jaron Jackson at 6,600, there's really no size per se to be able to defend him on the outside. I don't think they want to put Kevin Durant on him for extended periods of time. It's just not, you know, the kind of matchup they usually find himself in. He'd probably get himself stuck more on more of the guys on the inside rather than out on the perimeter. So I expect Jaron Jackson will get a little bit of opportunity to be able to take advantage of a, uh, of a Nick Claxton, or if they decide to go with like, you know, Bruce Brown out on him as well, just to kind of try to throw him out on the perimeter. But regardless, I think the upside is absolutely sky high in this kind of a game uh, at 6,600. And I played him in the Spurs game paid off pretty well, 41.25 in that game as well. And I just think his floor is just so safe right now, as long as he stays out of foul trouble and by and large, he has found himself Know, able to do that for the last couple of games hasn't passed uh, three personal fouls in the last three of them hasn't uh, been anywhere close to fouling out all the way back till uh, December the 19th so I really like him in the spot over here and then 
Also, Steven Adams uh, gets an opportunity to be able to do something here, too. Uh, if they're going to be throwing a lot more Nick Claxton, I could see him getting that chance to be able to play close to that 26 minutes that he did in the Spurs game, where you know he's become a more of that uh, facilitating big, but he's still getting somewhere close to those uh, 10 field goal attempts. If he can do that there, I think his floor is also incredibly safe into that uh, mid-20s over there, and he's already shown his upside to be able to get to that. So I think there's a lot of options here. And the final one, more as a GPP pivot again, if they play Tyus Jones, the kind of minutes he played in the last game, 29 minutes in that one, dropped 34 DK points. I think just given the fact that they require kind of that backup ball handler, they don't have DeAnthony Melton over here, they don't even have Conchar to be able to help a little with that, I think you're going to get a lot more usage out of Tyus Jones as that first man off the bench. And at 4,000, I think that's a pretty solid play to be able to throw in, considering you've gone with some of the more uh, expensive guys in the earlier games. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on Tyus. Uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they actually start him with Kyle Anderson being out this game, move Bain up to the three, uh, just start up, do a starting backcourt of Tyus and John Morant. Wouldn't shock me one bit. You know, they I know that they did just make some hardship signings. I think it was uh, Tyrell Terry and Quan Jeffries, a few of these other guys. So just keep an eye on that news. But I think Tyus is probably looking at close to 30 minutes regardless of the situation, whether he starts or comes off the bench. And if he starts, they'll likely just stagger him and Morant's minutes. That way they always have at least one ball handler on. So you might see him get yanked out of the quarter, you know, five minutes in, six minutes in, something like that, check back in with like a minute or two left. Uh, but regardless, you're going to see a significant amount of him. Uh, that's probably the only real option, but I wouldn't fault you if you wanted to go to a Jaron Jackson or a Morant. Like you said, these guys are down bodies, and between the two of them, they should be both looking at at least 18 shot attempts is what I'm imagining. Uh, Bain as well will probably be right in there. Probably go you know, Morant, Bain, and then uh, Jaron as far as usage. On the other side of the ball, uh, we're looking at Harden coming off of another monster game. Kevin Durant coming back has not slowed him down one bit. We're talking four straight games with at least 70 TK points. Uh, so the dude is just playing huge minutes, and he's cooking. Uh, it, it's the James Harden that we're used to seeing. I, I mean, I, I'm going to have to have shares of him. It's just that simple. Is he my top spend up? I don't know just yet. I, I mean, I got to see how the build comes down. If I have the extra money, maybe I do upgrade to like a LaMelo from him or a Beal to him. Or, you know, I could see that. I really do like those two guys in that first game. But I think Harden's right up there with those other two guys as my top spend ups on this entire slate. Uh over Durant, so I'm probably not going to end up having many shares of Durant, and, and that's probably it for me on this side of the ball. If we see Aldridge is ruled out, you can look at Claxton at 5K. I probably won't. Uh, I think there's other options that I have a little bit more interest in. I just haven't seen much of a, a ceiling from him. So him having you know 25 or 30, well, that's solid. Yeah, sure, that that pays off the price tag. Uh, but on, in the atmosphere, in the environment that we're playing in right now with DFS, you know, just hitting five and even six X is it really winning you too much? And even then, it might not win you anything at all. You really need to try to target guys that we know can get 7 or 8x. So I'll probably just stay with Harden over here. Yeah, and I think at this point, I'm almost uh, forced to be able to do it considering, well, one, he's one of my favorite players in the league, and two, every friend of mine would be roasting me if I didn't considering how much I talk him up all the way through. And I mean, it was just a matter of him getting back in the rhythm. He hasn't been you know, shooting especially well, even in the last two games, but it's just one of those where you can see the bounces back in him. He's getting that first step. He's getting that opportunity to be able to kind of get himself back into the mode that we've seen him. You know, I used to call it December Harden, where he would drop, you know, 40 point triple doubles throughout. And it's just kind of that December that got taken away from him from protocols. It's coming out into January now. So at 11-3, I just think the ceiling remains absolutely sky high, as you said, until he has a game where he doesn't pay off his salary. I just don't see how you can't play him. And uh, you talked about, you know, favorite spend up. 
I do think he's going to be my favorite spend up given all the uh, other potential options that are there for value that I think I can take advantage of. So James Harden will be the major guy going to here. I'm probably a little bit more high on Nick Claxton than some others, but again, at that, that center position for five grand, I may actually decide to take that pivot and go with Drummond just because I like the upside as far as GPP is concerned. All right. Fourth game of the night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Orlando Magic traveling to Chicago. Orlando on the second half of the back-to-back for Chicago. Tony Bradley, Alex Caruso, Tyler Cook, Javante Green, Marco Samanich, and Patrick Williams have all been ruled out. Looks like Lonzo should be back in this one. No injury report just yet for Orlando, uh, but we should still see a boatload of these guys out, including uh, you know Robin Lopez, Michael Carter-Williams, Markel Fultz, Jalen Suggs, Chumo Kiki, and I would assume most likely Cole Anthony as he's still recovering from that ankle injury. Uh, it looks like, you know, he came back a little bit too early on it when it first happened and better be safe than sorry. The guy's having a career year right now. Get it. Granted, it's only, you know, his second season, but uh, he's cooking. Uh, he's having a fantastic year, but I'll pass it over to you. Why don't you give us the breakdown of the Orlando Magic? Yeah, and just uh, coming off of watching that overtime game that they had against the uh, against the Chicago Bulls, but Jalen dropped 50 on them. But Orlando, you really got to see that they were running a lot of offense through Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, just given the fact that everyone is pretty much out as far as primary ball handlers are concerned, they didn't play R.J. Hampton many minutes. And even though they played Tim Frazier, all he was really doing was bringing the ball up the court. So even though Carter Jr. is sitting there as a power forward, got seven dimes in that game, was handling the ball a lot, both in the post and creating out of there. And the beneficiary of that was Terrence Ross, who has come in as kind of the six-man role again. He looks better. Uh, He had two great games in a row now and at 4,400, as well as that small forward eligibility. He's probably one of my favorite value guys to be able to go and take on this. I think his price tag is going to start to kind of adjust to get into that uh, mid-5,000s for the kind of usage he's going to need to have given everyone else's injuries. And uh, Mo Bamba, who came back, is still kind of getting his conditioning up, so his minutes are still down, which is why I feel more comfortable kind of sticking with that uh, Wendell Carter Jr. situation as a power forward. 7,400, I think, gives him a lot, of, a lot of upside to be able to go through, and you could probably run that back with Terrence Ross, and that's a pretty good one-two punch right now. Yeah, I mean, looking at just how well Terrence Ross has been playing, uh, I think when he dropped like 30, 33 today, yeah. uh, it was the dude's lightning in a bottle. We always know that. Uh, anytime he plays, there's always the opportunity that he can come out. And correct me if I'm wrong, when he, when he was on the Raptors, didn't he have like a 40 or 50-point <laughs> game? It was something absolutely insane when he was over there. Yeah, yeah, the one night DeRozan was out and dropped 51 on the Clippers, only yeah. for uh, Jamal Crawford to come and drop 40-something on the other end, and we still lost. But quote, what a game, what a game, 51 points. Yeah, I, I knew it was something absurd up there. Uh, but bottom line, the minutes have been there. He played 35 tonight. Uh, shot attempts are there, 19 shot attempts. So he's in play. Uh, you know, the only thing that I'm, I want to caution anytime it's a situation like this is we've seen plenty of nights where he's just cold. Um, the guy played an overtime game, 19 shots. He is a jumper. Uh, anytime you see guys that are jump shot makers and, you know, just high athlete dunkers and stuff like that, the legs can be a little bit tired. Uh, the following night, just like if anyone else were to hoop for a full day and the next day you feel a little heavy. So there is a little bit of worry for me just kind of chasing it, but I'm going to keep in my player pool right now at 4,400 if he's going to keep having that usage in the shot attempts. Outside of him, not a lot more I love here. I'm not going to go to the Mobamba well. Probably not Gary. I never play Gary Harris. I think I played him once all season. I got lucky on the night that he did play where I had a good night. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. going against his former team. So there's always that little narrative, I guess, involved in there. But um, I, I do like Wendell. Um, I didn't watch the game, 
but you're saying that they're running the offense through him, and I wouldn't be shocked just given his stats and his numbers of recent, knowing that he could play a little bit of the four, a little bit of the five, Mobamba still being in that conditioning, and it's the second half of a back-to-back game. I like him a little bit more at the four than I do the five. Then he doesn't have to deal with as much of the you know banging down low and having to tr- potentially get fouls uh, called on him against Vucevic. But I think Wendell Carter and Terrence Ross would be my two and mainly only options I'm really looking at. I had a decent amount of Tim Frazier on tonight's slate. He just doesn't bring a ton of upside there. But if you land him at 3,800 and you know that you want something that you know you can feel pretty comfortable about, given the minute standpoint, he's always an option. Uh, On the Chicago side of things, it's going to be tough for me to really love any of these guys now that they're getting back to full health. Lonzo Ball back in there. I think everybody else is priced appropriately. DeRozan. Uh, if he hits a game winner in this one too, I'll probably just you know stop doing these podcasts uh, and just start you know going to some more Chicago games. I don't care how much it costs for a plane ticket to go out to Chicago every night. This dude is just absolutely. Did you? I don't know if you saw the graphic of his. Uh, I think they put it on the screen after the shot of his clutch numbers this season. How he's been in the fourth quarter compared to like clutch shots, which I think they you know they establish clutch shots anything in the final like two minutes of the game or whatever it might be. But he's shooting like it was something like fifty-seven percent from the field, ninety-six yep. percent uh, from the line, and then a hundred percent from three. And <laughs> so uh, I, I can't argue with it. So if you want to play DeRozan and just watch another buzzer beater, sure. But I'm really not interested in much over here on the Chicago side of the ball. Yeah, man, and I'll be watching the game in real life just because, as you said, I'm loving what Demar's doing this year. I think he's got a legit shot to be able to uh, be in that MVP conversation if things keep going like this. Probably should be in the top five now, even though the NBA had him at number eight, which man, I think it's a bit disrespectful, but that's just what DeMar is. But as you said, they're all priced very appropriately. Uh, Lonzo at 7,600 is probably the only one that has a little bit of upside. But again, given the fact that it's his first game back, you know, the price tag, I think there's other options out there. And I just don't trust Kobe White to be able to keep shooting as well as he has. So as you said, I'm just kind of crossing him out. I think the Orlando guys try to keep it somewhat close, in which case the three-headed monster is going to kind of keep usage between them and it's not really going to be great for any of them so just kind of avoid the chicago side take a little bit of the orlando and that's about it all right next game we have detroit traveling to milwaukee for the pistons jeremy grant frank jackson Corey joseph isaiah livers kelly olenic uh, chris smith cassius stanley isaiah stewart Derek walton jr have all been ruled out for the bucks the nasa's onto the kumpo dante divincenzo brooke lopez all out chris middleton is questionable due to personal reasons. And this feels like a game I kind of just want to cross out as well. Um, no game total, no spread, but much like that Philly-Houston game, I think we, it's pretty safe to say it's going to be it's gonna be a big one. Um, I'll pass it over to you, though. You give me your take on Detroit. Yeah, man, I'm kind of avoiding those top three altogether. I know Kate Cunningham is coming back. We don't know what his uh, minutes are going to look like. We're going to have to find out if there's any sort of restrictions. But again, at 9,000, way too high. Hamido Diallo, I've played him for the last couple of nights, but obviously his price tag has just gotten to absolute bonkers levels where I just don't trust him to be able to do that on a night where everyone's back. So the only guy I may have some interest in is Luca Garza, purely because of the fact that everyone else is out. This is going to be a team that has uh, the need for a little bit more size to be able to handle, throw some bodies on Giannis. As you say, it's not always fun to be able to put big men against matchups like like Utah, like Philly, like Detroit, like Milwaukee. But I think just given the uh, situation of everyone being out, he's been pretty good in terms of staying out of foul trouble. So I, I do kind of give him you know, the benefit of the doubt as far as that's concerned. He fouled out of the San Antonio game, but you know, the last one, only four fouls went to overtime, played great in that game. So 
I do like his upside. I think at his current price tag, he's got enough to be able to get to that 40 mark yet again. So it's a guy I keep in my player pool. And Trey Lyles is the other one who I think could uh, find himself in a couple more minutes in this game, just given how everything's going to work. He's been removed from the health and safety protocols. But again, it's all about kind of keeping track of the news if there's any sort of uh, restrictions on them. But uh, those are probably my main two. Yeah, the only other guy I guess I would throw in there, I'm, I'm with him off the big three, especially with Cade coming back. We're not going to see Diallo and Bay's usage be as high. Uh, the only other guy I would probably mention would be Saban Lee, who's out of the health and safety protocols as well. Uh, he's 4,200, so we're not getting like a bottom barrel price tag on him. But, you know, no uh, no Derek Walton Jr. And we know that Frank Jackson's out. Cade coming back in his first game back. Game could get out of hand. All these other reasons kind of put Saban Lee in that, you know, keeping my player pool, but probably won't end up landing on kind of territory. Uh, that's probably about it for me, though. I wouldn't, like you said, I wouldn't mind looking at those other two guys. But when push comes to shove, they'd probably only be GPP pivots for me. Uh, on the Milwaukee side of things, listen, if you're playing one of the two top dogs uh, between Holiday, Giannis, I'll even throw Bobby Borders in there. He's a top dog. Um, you're running it back with somebody on the other side of the ball. You're playing whether it's a Garza or one of these other guys. Now, listen, I'm not trying to drop, you know, Hamden Diallo's salary with Giannis and pair those guys together because that's probably not the best construction, in my opinion. Maybe I'll end up playing this clip back and hating myself later tomorrow, but – uh, I just don't see myself spending up on many of these guys. I guess I could see it if Middleton's out, if you're feeling a little frisky, but I think Holiday's a little too expensive. Giannis always has the potential, but at 11-8, we need him to play a full, ample amount of minutes. You know, Playing 30 minutes isn't going to be enough for me. I need him to play 32 to 35, and the only way that happens is if this game stays close. Yeah, man, I think if there's anything, I'd probably be thinking, again, GPP Bivit, start to uh, gamble a little bit on the fact that the point spread probably f- is going to be pretty wild for this game. I expect that uh, we'll get to see more minutes from Akonatan and Nawara, all those guys who will get the usage. As long as they get to that 25-minute mark, they're uh, in a pretty good spot, probably Nawara more so than Connaughton. But again, it's one of those where GPP pivots, I think at 4,700, you're probably looking back at KJ Martin for Houston at 4,200 and looking at him as a nicer spot. But beyond that, I'm just kind of avoiding this game by and large altogether. I just don't really like what it gives me. All right. Utah Jazz traveling to New Orleans, taking on the Pelicans. Uh, for the Pelicans, Brandon Ingram and Jonas are both questionable. Zion, Tomas Sadoransky, and Kira Lewis Jr. all ruled out. And then for the Jazz, Hassan Whiteside, Eric Paschal are both questionable. So no game total, no spread. I'll pass it over to you. Why don't you give us your take on Utah? Yeah, the problem with Utah is they're – been avoiding the code protocols by and large so they've been fully healthy for most of it the only uh, little wrinkle that was interesting to me is that gobert's price tag has dropped nearly 900 dollars from the last game that he was on so at 8700 just purely because of that price tag i have interest in him as long as uh you know i'm expecting that uh, new orleans will have at least some sort of health on them i know we're waiting on news about whether uh whether valentunas will be in or not all of those kind of come into play as to whether i think this game will be at all competitive and if that is the case, then maybe I have a little bit of pivot just to get Gobert out there. We know that as long as he can be on the floor, he's going to get somewhere near 20 rebounds and he'll just keep catching those lobs to get himself into that situation where he could be mid to late 40s, maybe even low 50s. So that's probably the one upside play that I have here. By and large, though, Utah's just priced very, very appropriately. So I'm just going to kind of avoid that one and look for value elsewhere. Well said, my friend. That is all I was looking at as well. I saw that Gobert price dip. Always gets intriguing. Uh, on the Pelican side of the ball, 
Yeah, not so much interest. I mean, if we see Jonas sit, then you know you can look at like a uh, you know, Willie Hernan Gomez or a Jackson Hayes. Jackson Hayes actually came out and has been playing more minutes as of late, so at thirty nine hundred makes for a decent pivot off of I guess like a Tice or somebody else maybe. Um, that is in a, in a tough matchup as well. I mean, this isn't going to be an easy one, but if he comes off the bench, I'd like him more than starting simply because he will probably check in when Gobert checks out. So. He gets a little bit of that second usage run. If this game gets out of hand, whatever it may be, uh, it only increases his value a little bit more. So I wouldn't mind looking at like a, a Jackson Hayes. And then if we see Brandon Ingram sit uh, one more game, you know, we can start or continue, I guess, looking at guys like, you know, Garrett Temple. But on 10 games, there's there's a lot of other options that we could look at. So I just don't see myself landing here all, the, all too often. Fair enough. Well, I'm surprised you didn't mention Herbert Jones and all of that. Uh, you know, we talk about how the rookie classes just continue to be awesome throughout this year. We just had Josh Giddy go ahead and break the youngest triple double record, but clearly the one you know, big beneficiary of Brendan Ingram sitting out has been Herb Jones. He's been in that mid to high 30s as far as his minutes are concerned. He's been getting consistent usage and hasn't been below 29 DK points for any of his last three games. And I don't expect that changes too much, even if uh, even if Ingram is there, just given the fact that they need uh, that level of offense coming through. As long as Zion remains out, I think they're finding that you know, Herb Jones gives them that stretch four capability. And I'm still waiting for that game that Nikhil Alexander-Walker will start to hit some of his shots. I mean, he's got 16 shots in each of his last two games. You know, got 37 in the game prior to that. Still got 20 in this last game, which is pretty close to his 4,100 price tag. So just given the fact that he is going to absolutely keep chucking uh, his shooting guard eligibility and he has decent usage, I mean, 13 three-point attempts in the last game, if he can get even 35% of those to go, he should absolutely smash his price tag. So I do think there is some intriguing upside as far as those two are concerned. And uh, I actually like them as a, you know, a couple of guys in my player pool that I could see myself landing on pretty often. Just uh, keep it transparent, man. I haven't played too much Herb Jones all season. Um, just really haven't done it. Yeah. Uh, fault to my own. Maybe I take a couple off the chin. I know he had that that career high game not too long ago. So definitely took that one off the chin. But on 10 games, you know, my, my main thing, and I always try to stress this, uh, is I never tried to necessarily – find the guy that's going to be the, or the guys I think are going to be the highest scoring of the night. It's more or less for me to make sure I'm comfortable with my entire lineup. I like every single person in it. I think they have good floors, good ceilings. Uh, and then if we're playing GPPs, there's always a little luck that's going to be involved where you're going to hit on one of these nights. If you just stick with the same construction that you do for the most part, if you, if you have a good sound sound construction and kind of, you know, theory on how you build your lineups and so far, it's just avoiding guys that I never feel too comfortable about playing. And I'll take it off the chin here and there. I did that with, what, John Morant for the first three weeks of the season. <laughs> so uh, next game, Denver traveling to Dallas, taking on the Mavericks. Mavs on the second half of a back-to-back. We saw Chris Stapps rest in that first game. He should be healthy for this one. But uh, Ball Ball and uh, Vlaco Kankar are both available. Uh, P.J. Dozier, Jeff Green. Marcus Howard, Bones Island, Monty Morris, Jamal Murray, Zeke Naji, and Michael Porter Jr. are all rolled out. Jamichael Green is available as well. I'll pass it over to you. Denver Nuggets, I hope – did you have Composo on that other slate? I, I did. I did have Composo on that one, so that worked out uh, pretty decently. It was just purely – I honestly, I didn't think he'd do better than uh, 30 for his price tag, but he you know, obviously had an insane game in that one, so – 
that's probably going to push his price tag. I mean, he's definitely pushed his price tag, but it's pushed his ownership up, I'm guessing, this time around. So at that 6K price tag, I mean, I like him. He's still on my player pool just because of his shooting guard eligibility, but I think I'll probably avoid him just given the fact that I expect a lot of people to go ahead and jump on him. Uh, Will Barton, again, continues to be that uh, solid guy all the way through for 6,200, but by and large, I, ju- I just don't know about this game. Like, Luka Doncic is obviously still working his way back into uh, full-on game shape, hasn't had that real breakout, breakout game yet. He's had a couple of good ones uh, before he went down, but don't know what he's going to do at this point. So I just kind of want to see whether Dallas can actually keep this close before I actually commit to any of these guys. But I have a feeling that uh, I'm going to be taking this one off the chin and I'm actually just across these guys off my list because I don't think Dallas is going to keep this going. Lucas has been trying to get himself into game shape for about three months now. So uh, I, don't, I don't know if the health and safety protocols is really going to impact anything when it comes to do with that. Uh, dude came in thick, but I, I'm kind of with you. I'm, I'm probably not going to be playing too much over here on Denver or on the other side of the ball for that matter. Uh, I do like Composo though. Just don't love that price tag at 6K. It gets a little dicey. He's right in that situation where you really need him to put up 35 to 40 to really burn you, even if he gets 30. We're not sitting here all upset about it that he hit 5x. Like I said earlier, we kind of need more than 5x, so I'll take a pass. Uh, and then on the Mavs side of the ball, like I said over there, probably not playing all too much. You know, Brunson's still now a little bit too priced up for me, considering that Luka's back and handling the ball a little bit more. Uh, Chris Stapps will probably be playing in this game because he rested on the first one. Don't love his price tag either. And that kind of uh, pretty much funnels all the usage away from all these other guys that we have been taking advantage of, like your DFS, maybe your. You know, Brunson, Tim Hardaway, you know, these kinds of guys. I think Hardaway actually just got out of the protocol as well. But uh, I just don't like it. I don't like the situation. I don't like the price tags. I don't like the matchup. I'm probably all set here. <laughs> I don't think you like the team this year either. But, yeah, I think you've hit the uh, nail on the head as far as that's concerned. I'm avoiding the Mavericks until they can show me they can at least do something to keep things competitive against the real team. Yeah, no, I really haven't. It's been very unfortunate to be a Mavericks fan this season. And then, you know, everyone's like, oh, wait till the trade deadline. I'm like, for what? You know, I mean, nobody wants Josh Green. Like, it's, it's we're not, we're not, we don't have anything to trade. Uh, it's not going to be fun for us. You know, it's, I'm sorry, but unless they give up Brunson, we're not getting anything decent back in return. We don't even have a lot of picks left, but. The next game, I could sit here and talk about how bad the Mavs have been all season long. Miami traveling to Golden State, try, uh, taking on the Warriors in this matchup. Uh, yeah, for the injury report, Clay Thompson, James Wiseman, only two players out. Draymond off that injury report or health and safety protocols. Uh, looks like Clay Thompson is getting closer and closer. Miami on uh, second half of back to back, no, no injury report for them. No game total, no line. Let you talk about Miami. I was going to touch on them, but I'll, we'll, we'll keep the theme of you just taking the away. I'll take the home. Uh, sure, no. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. And I think just purely Miami is one of those situations where they are pretty much relying on five guys to be doing the vast majority of the heavy lifting. Uh, they've all been sitting in that kind of mid to high 30s as far as their minutes are concerned. And this is a back-to-back for them. So I'm a little bit concerned about them kind of sticking with uh, the Golden State Warriors. So I'm kind of avoiding the Jimmy Butler, the Kyle Lowry. Uh, I may have some interest in uh, Omar Yurtseven, but it's just one of those things where I think Caleb Barton's been the guy I've kind of been landing myself on, just given a couple of the early roster constructions that I have. Again, that small forward eligibility, cheap guy, but more so than that, he's just been getting 
you know, consistent usage for the last little bit now. He just had uh, 33 minutes in the last one, 13 shot attempts up there, dropped 32. A pretty good uh, upside for his sub-5,000 price tag. You know, you look for that guy who can get you potentially 6x. I think he's in a good spot, uh, and he'll get his minutes even if things don't work out. And the other one is the uh, Kyle Guy situation where didn't play uh, super well in this game, but they're just looking at one of those uh, things where they need to throw the guy out there. <laughs> no pun intended. 24 minutes in the first game, 6 of 8 there. Uh, shot four of six from the three-point line. Didn't do so well against Sacramento, but his minutes have been pretty consistent. Uh, that price tag at uh, 4100 is a little higher than that 38 that it was prior. But again, he's just been that first guy coming off the bench for him. They just have very little health otherwise, so they're just going to be forced to throw him out there, and even more so if the game happens to get out of hand. So I do like him at his price tag, and I think the upside is there in a Golden State game, which despite everything else is probably going to be pretty fast-paced just because of the team on the other end running you around. And I think Kyle Guy's minutes are pretty safe regardless of what happens. I think it's just going to be your seven for me. And even then, I, I don't necessarily love him in this matchup. It would just be out of necessity because they have really nobody else to play that center position. Uh, you know, Golden State has been a team that's been able to beat up on other centers by pulling them out of the paint and doing other things that they need to do just to limit them. Play pretty quickly. You know, all the things that we don't want to see when, when you're targeting a center. But... The dude's been absolutely unreal for as far as fantasy perspective. I'm not going to sit here and act like I've watched every single Heat game. Uh, but obviously, just looking at some of these box scores lately, he has been just cooking and consistent. It's been large double-doubles for the past four games. I don't see another reason why he can't pay off that 6500 to give us another 30 to 35 pretty easily. Uh, I don't know if we'll get the same kind of game that we saw today against Sacramento. But 35 seems like it's in the realm of possibilities. Uh, Golden State, I'm all set there, too. Um, everybody now back to full health outside of the you know, the norm, which is Wiseman and Clay Thompson. So we won't be seeing Otto Porter play power forward anymore. I'll be right back to Draymond. Uh, Gary Payton still being one of those main key cogs coming off the bench, but the price tag at 48 doesn't leave much you know meat left on the bone as far as value is concerned. So I'll probably take a hard pass on just about all these guys. Yeah, I think we can uh, both agree on that. The uh, kind of like joke of interest has been Iguodala as of late, where he's just been alternating uh, great games and bad ones, but uh, he's on that uh, wrong side of the alternative here. So I'm not even going to think about throwing him in as a pivot, which I have for a couple of these runs that he's had. All right. Two games left. Atlanta traveling to Portland, taking on the Blazers here. Bogdan Bogdanovich, John Collins, Gorgie Dang. Uh, we have Solomon Hill, DeAndre Hunter. Jalen Johnson, all out. Cam Reddish is probable. For the Blazers, Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic, Cody Zeller, Brandon Williams, all ruled out. I'm sorry, Zeller is doubtful, and so is Nurkic. Um, but they're going to be down some players, needless to say. So I'll pass it over to you. Talk about Atlanta in this spot. Should be a high-scoring affair. Yeah, absolutely. This is going to be one of those games where you're going to see Portland have uh, – you know, their bench guys come out and be able to go start, and I have a good bit of interest on that side. But as far as Atlanta's concerned, it's all about how much you believe uh, Portland will keep it close here because Trey Young has been absolutely on fire as of late. Uh, you know, that 11K price tag is definitely getting up there, but it's still a little bit less from what he had last time. Still dropped 62 uh, DK points in that game as well. And uh, shot attempts are just out of this world at the moment. He's anywhere between 23 to 28 shot attempts a game for the last five, and he's been getting his uh, shots up with more consistency and trying to get back to some sort of regularity as far as his percentages are concerned. So the upside is absolutely there. And I think if the game can be even close, he's just be one of those guys where on this kind of night, he could be the one to absolutely smash a slate. 
have the kind of hardened game that we've been hoping for the other end, though I do much rather prefer Harden over him. Uh, same thing happens with the Clint Capella thing as well. He's just been absolutely on fire for the last two games now, 42 and 61 in those games as well. If Trey's having a good game, it's probably because he's getting a lot of those lobs into Capella as well. So it's all about I said, your risk appetite. I think they're more GPP pivots. I probably would rather you know, save that money and go into a more uh, safe game earlier on with uh, with either a Harden or a Lamelo Ball as my big guys there. But I wouldn't fault you for taking Trey Young in this kind of a matchup. So I'm going to pose to you a two versus two question. Uh, I know you kind of already gave your take on it, but would you take Harden and Gobert or Trey Young and Capella? Yeah, and I think Harden and Gobert is just in a situation where not only are their matchups going to be likely closer it's it's going to be a higher pace matchup against brooklyn uh, for brooklyn and memphis as well and just gobert his price tag has been paid off consistently when he's been in the 9000s at 8700 i think the, uh, the the capability is there for him to be able to get that and i'd probably lean on that side even though i could see myself eating my words in this one and have both trey and capella absolutely go off yeah, no, I think you said it. You you said everything perfectly. Those are the only two guys I'd consider, especially a lot of these other guys are out of the protocols now. So the whole Cam Reddish taking, you know, 20 shots, that's probably done with it. Fuerte, Gallinari, if all these guys are back. So uh, I think that they make for great GPP pivots. You said it. If the game stays close, there's no doubt in my mind that they both hit value. Uh, I'd probably have more trade than Capella. Just, you know, not even taking prices into account. Just I, I think there's better center options. But you know, Capello, those monster games are, I wouldn't say they're few and far in between, but a Trey Young monster game is going from like, you know, 50 DK points to 65, 70. That floor is still super consistent for his price tag. Uh, Capella's bad games could be down to 30 to 28 DK points and then, you know, upwards of 60. So there's a lot more variance when it comes to Capella as opposed to Trey Young. But I'm kind of right there with you. On the Portland side of the ball, there's going to be a lot to like here, especially in this matchup. It's just, I guess, you know, how much can you stomach uh, with no Lillard, no McCollum, no Nurkic. We kind of know where these minutes and this usage is most likely going to go. Norman Powell, 6,500 definitely comes into play. I can see him taking 20 shot attempts here. I know you play Norman probably a little bit more than me. He's not normally a guy I'm all too excited about, but I think I will have some shares of him on this slate. Uh, I've been playing a boatload of Larry Nance ever since Nurkic went down and it's really only paid off for me in one game against Utah, the pivot game I had him in, but I'll definitely look at him in this matchup at 59. I just know his upside. Whether I see these 25 and 26 DK point games, uh, we've seen Larry Nance drop 40 and 50 plenty of times throughout the past few years where he can just rack up rebounds, steals, hit a couple threes. There's so much to his game where he can just rack up the stat sheets pretty quickly. And then figuring out what's going on with this point guard position. Um, it could be Dennis Smith Jr. I believe Anthony Simons is going to be available in this one as well. So we kind of want to monitor this and see who starts. My guess is it would be... Actually, I don't know. Let me get your take because, you know, the more I think about it, I wouldn't be shocked if Dennis Smith starts just to keep Simons off the bench to have that bench usage guy. Simons is the guy I prefer given the big discount that we're getting compared to Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, but I think both those guys are absolutely in play. Uh, but like I said, I, I still prefer a little bit more Simons as opposed to Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah, I think that's absolutely it. And I actually would prefer Anthony Simons to be the guy to come off the bench and uh, basically absorb all that usage over there because they're going to need him to take somewhere close to 20 shots given how everyone else is kind of sitting out as well. So I expect a pretty good game from him. We'll find out what actually happens with him uh, ending his quarantine if they actually go ahead and uh, get him in because we've seen a number of these teams have decided to kind of ramp up conditioning with their players. 
But the Larry Nance thing, you kind of spoke about uh, variance in the previous uh, situation with Clint Capella. I'm kind of in that same boat with Larry Nance as well. It's just, I know he's got the upside and I often find myself landing on him just because of that situation. But it's just, I don't know, he has those games where he can just be absolutely passive, uh, not really getting that opportunity to do a little bit of everything, which he obviously has the capability to be able to do. And considering Norm Powell is just 600 more than him and is guaranteed to be number one option on this team, I would be leaning myself towards him quite a bit more as far as the forward side of things are concerned. And then if I'm looking into the uh, cheapies, and for any Simons, you already spoke about it, then Ben Macklemore is also going to be in play. Just again, they need a guy to be coming out with instant offense on here. And we've seen him. If he gets any opportunity, if he gets even a little bit hot, he's just going to keep shooting, keep shooting. Uh, 36 DK points in the last game. It's again, it's one of those GPP ones. I think at his price tag, that floor is pretty well secure given how they're going to go ahead and need a little bit of his offense. But even if he's not shooting 9 of 22 or any of those things, I do think he will get somewhere into that uh, mid to high teens as far as the shot attempts are concerned at 3,900. Sign me up. All right, I got a question for you. And this this one might be uh, near and dear to your heart and it might break it a little bit. And, and Would you rather play Jaron Jackson or Norm Powell? Oh, you're going to do that to me. Um, I think I'll, I think I'd rather play Norm Powell, just given the fact that Atlanta, first and foremost, isn't the greatest of defensive teams to begin with. Uh, Norm Powell is just in one of those scenarios where he can be that forward who just pushes uh, pushes the pace to such an extent that he can get his points in a bunch. I think that Memphis and Brooklyn game, even though it's going to be incredibly exciting all the way through, it might have a little bit more of a usage being spread around between Morant, Bain, Jaron Jackson. So, you know, I think the upside is just as high with either one of them. I just think Norm Powell is the safer bet, as you say, that lineup construction and uh, feeling a little bit more comfortable with it. But I'm going to have just as much Aaron Jackson as well. So it's just <laughs> one of those things. All right, man. We'll, uh, we'll move on to the final game. Minnesota traveling to L.A., taking on the Clippers. Uh, for the injury report for this game, we have the Timberwolves actually playing right now as we record this. So no injury report there. Batum is questionable. Jay Scrub is questionable. Brandon Boston Jr., Paul George, Isaiah Hartenstein, Luke Kennard, Kawhi Leonard, Jason Preston, uh, Ivaka Zubats all ruled out. So I'll pass it over to you for Minnesota. Looks like they're hanging in with the Lakers right now. No surprise there. Lakers kind of stink. But give me your take. Yeah, to me, uh, the most uh, exciting part about uh, Minnesota and the Clippers matchup is just going to be the point spread when we get here. I have a feeling this is going to be one of the higher scoring games of the night, just given, one, the way the Clippers play and just the way that uh, both the uh, Timberwolves and Clippers just like to run the ball. So that gives them a lot of upside with um, a bunch of these uh, smaller guys here. So Nasri, who's already killing it at the moment, 17-7 and seven in, this pre- in this current game as he's going, uh, he's going to be in play again as long as Carl uh, Anthony Towns remains out. I think he's got more of an offensive game compared to Jaden McDaniels, Jared Vanderbilt. So he just gives them that uh, opportunity to be able to be that stretch for kind of five hybrid that they like. And the rest of these guys have a price tag that gives them the opportunity to be able to kind of capitalize on that. Uh, Anthony Edwards hasn't really had that uh, you know, monster game. He's obviously been out for a little bit. But other than that, uh, 53 that he dropped right before he went down, he's kind of been hanging about in that 40s. And I think he's ready to actually break out, get that game in. And he's, getting, he's getting a shot attempts up in this game as well. And the back-to-back is probably my only kind of concern over here. And again, Norman Powell in that game is about 1,200 less and probably feel a little bit safer going ahead and throwing him out there. But again, as a GPP pivot, I think Anthony Edwards is another one of those guys that has the upside to be able to drop a 50-60 game if if things are working right for them. 
And I think he's going to be required to have that kind of usage in a matchup where I'm you know, going to go ahead and say that the point uh, spread is going to be somewhere in the uh, mid to high 220s. So that makes things a little bit exciting for me for both Anthony Edwards and for kind of the rest of these guys with Nas Reed being my favorite of the uh, cheap options. Uh, yeah, I, I pretty much almost, I never 100% a player. Uh, I, I like 100% at Nasri tonight, and I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about that. I have him and LeBron going right now when I was already in the green before the game started. So cross your fingers. Let's, let's hope this one turns out well. Um, so I'm all over Nasri again, but I'm also on Patrick Beverly, I think, at 5,200. Dude, stays super consistent as far as his floor, going against his former team. Yes, Anthony Edwards is back, but we're not playing Patrick Beverly for usage anyway. We're playing him for the decent assist numbers, the defensive numbers, and if you could chip in 10 to 15 points, we were looking at probably about 30 to 35 DK points. So those are probably the two guys I have the most interest in. Other than those two, probably won't be playing much else. On the Clippers side of the ball, got to keep an eye on Marcus Moore Sr. Uh, late scratch, you know, through that la- in that last game, which really burned a lot of people, including myself. Um, I had a share or two of them. Uh, I was probably underweight on him, but I still had a couple shares of him. But he is technically unavailable, is what they said, but av- or available, but didn't play. So I didn't. I now, did you read into that? Did you hear anything about that? Was it personal? Was it rest? And if we need him, he's there. Uh, I didn't quite gauge or see what the situation was, uh, given everything else that was going on. But I just don't love all these price tags. You know, I could see maybe going to that. You know, Amir Coffee. He should draw another start. Got to keep an eye on it because we don't know necessarily. I don't think he drew the start in place of Morris necessarily. But if he draws another one, you could definitely look at him at 4,300. Outside of him, though, I mean, maybe Serge Ibaka as a a deep GPP dart throw. They're just lacking some bodies in the front court. Again, even with that being said, he hasn't had much minutes or much point per minutes or usage or anything else that comes with it. It's kind of just a crapshoot with this team. And – I feel like I'm going to be playing some of these Timberwolves guys. I always love having some late-game action. I just don't love running it back with anyone on here other than Marcus Morris, but I need to know he's playing. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's just an addiction to have someone playing in the last one just to feel active. Otherwise, it's like you're waiting for yourself to get dropped down. It's just one of those things. Uh, Probably not the best uh, advice on an ongoing basis because it's not a given that the last game is any good. But as you said, the Clippers have just been one of those teams that have kind of been... You know, beating people by committee. There's not really one guy that just absolutely takes over. Uh, you'll get, you know, you'll get the Bledsoe game where he goes absolutely off. You can't really trust that. And he got more of that opportunity because Marcus Morris is out when he's actually in. He only plays about 20 to 25 minutes, and then you obviously can't trust that price tag to be able to do that. Uh, same with the Terrence Mann. Uh, he's been you know, shooting really well for the last three games. Has been doing pretty well as far as his price tag is concerned. But again, that upside is just not that high. There's really no one on here that I could be like okay, if they have a good night, they can drop me a 40. And it's just like, hey, if they have a good night, they'll hit 6x, which is okay. It's nothing wrong with that. And it's a pretty solid play to be able to throw it. But I think there's other uh, higher value options out there who actually have pretty safe floors as well, which I can take advantage of. So I'm just kind of avoiding the Clippers out here. I'll get some of the Minnesota on the other side just to have a little bit of exposure. But yeah, I just don't like any of these Clippers. All right, my friend, you know what time it is then. It is our player tier segment. I'll let you kick it off with the expensive tier, the uh, the guy that you're looking at. Yeah, and we talked about that Memphis-Brooklyn game being one of those games that not only is going to be must-watch, but it has a guy on the Brooklyn side that has been hitting 470 DK point games in a row. And it's all been 
no, just within the flow of the game. It's not like he's having an explosion beyond what we expect to see when James Harden is doing well. So given the fact that his shooting percentages still have room to be able to correct as well, I think the upside just absolutely remains. I think he's just getting back into the flow of things. Uh, that price tag is actually slightly down from that 11500 it was last time around. And I don't see why we can't have another 70 DK point from James Harden. Keep riding him until the wheels fall off. All right. I'll go with uh, Mr. Bradley Beal. I think both these guys, you mentioned Harden before I agreed with you. I mentioned Beal before you agreed with me. Uh, there's a lot of good point guard and shooting guard options on this slate that are worth spending up on, but those two are probably my two favorite. I was thinking LaMelo as well, but I think just with Beal playing point guard in this matchup, this is one of the best matchups you can see on paper going against a team that struggles against three-point shooting, that struggles against pretty much every single position, plays at a fast pace. So... I'll go with some Bradley Beal. And then for your mid-tier play, who are you looking at? Yeah, and with the mid-tier one, that's where you know, you're seeing a lot of opportunities here to be able to go ahead and take advantage of the safe floors and a bit of upside. Uh, we spoke about Powell, but I'm actually going to go ahead and stick with my Jalen Green as far as the Houston Rockets are concerned. At 5,200, again, it's a bit of a uh, keeping track of news where if Kevin Porter and uh, Christian Wood get in any way disciplined that just probably furthers my absolute lock as far as he's concerned but in general i think he's in a great spot to be able to produce it's uh, one of those things where he's going to be needed to likely be the number one if at most number two option on that team uh, depending on uh, how things end up working out i think the upside is absolutely there his floor has been quite secure in that uh, you know low to mid 30s really so yeah 5200 i just think the upside is absolutely there for him to be able to get somewhere close to that 40 as he gets his groove completely back in as he gets his shot going and the fact that he's shooting about 50 percent from three from these last four games i just like the upside where he could go ahead and do some damage against philly you caught me off guard. I was 100 expecting Jaron Jackson or Norman uh, <laughs> Powell. So, uh, you know, I, I wasn't going to consider either one of them because I was like, ah, he's, saying, he's saying one of them. So, uh, But the guy I actually was looking at, I just realized, is $200 less than 5K. He was, he was 50 for 5K or 5100 on tonight's slate. Uh, so I imagine that he would be. So I'll, I guess I'll save him for my value, even though he's like teetering on that line which you guys probably as you imagine we just talked about him a moment ago so you probably already know who that is spoiler alert uh so i guess i'll go with uh mr i don't want to say two wizards uh i guess yeah i'll just say i'll say daniel gafford i like daniel gafford at 6k i don't mind that price tag looking for a big bounce back game for him against charlotte again everything i said about beal is also true for gafford uh only remaining center that they have if he plays 30 plus minutes in this He's pretty much looking at a floor of about 30 DK points with a ceiling of 40 to 45 pretty easily. So I felt ugly saying, though, man, I didn't I didn't enjoy that. I'm, I'm you know, looking over these mid-tier options. I mean, outside of Norman Powell and Gafford, I just don't love a lot of them anyway, personally. Uh, but then I'll pass it over to you for the value. Yeah. And as you said, the mid-tier is kind of a crapshoot, but there's tons of value plays under 5K that are really exciting to me. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and stick with Herb Jones at the New Orleans Pelicans 4,600. I just, again, Pelicans is one of those guilty pleasure teams for me. I like watching them. I like watching them play. And the rookie class just continues to be really good this year. I'm seeing the development from Herb Jones. He's just getting so much more confident with his shot. Uh, gotten 18 shots in the game prior, 13 in the one right before, and hasn't been below 29 for any of his last three DK points. And even before that was 20. So I don't expect uh, any of that usage to go away, especially with uh, Ingram being questionable. And if he, if either him or Jonas Valanciunas do sit out, I just think that absolutely locks him in as well, because he's just been really, really good for them. And I think it's going to continue. Yeah, I'll go Nas Reed then. Uh, 4,800, sign me up. Uh, we're seeing the game that we're hoping for tomorrow as well, tonight. 
Uh, no reason why this guy can't have a repeat performance of at least 30 to 40 DK points, given you know the upside that he possesses. He's probably one of their best stretch bigs as well on this team. Very consistent when he gets a starting role. Anytime that he starts, I'm pretty much penciling him in for at least 32 DK points. So sign me up with some Nas Reed. So many, like you said, though, so many options we could have went with. Uh, but that brings us to the number two segment. Who's your Thrive Fantasy pick for prop bet? What's the can't-miss prop bet that we're looking at? Yeah, I think there's a number of good options over here as well, but the one I'm finding myself liking is for 110 points on the over for Terrence Mann to hit over 13.5 points. It's just been remarkably consistent so far for the uh, for the LA Clippers. He's closing for them. He's gotten in double-digit shot attempts in each of those games and has had nothing less than 17 points in the last three of them. I don't expect that to change too, too much. Minnesota, again, not a great defensive team. I do I last looked at the stats. I believe they're in the bottom third as far as giving up corner threes as well, which is Terrence Mann's absolute forte. So I like him for that spot. I like him for that 110 points. Lock him in. Prop up. Love it. Uh, and that, it's always cool when you give one like that, a guy that we just mentioned. We're not looking at for DFS, but uh, the prop bets, they're a little bit of a different story. Absolutely. So just because we're not playing them DFS doesn't mean we cannot consider them for a prop bet. Uh, let's see now, because I was looking at a couple of them, but one that kind of uh, stands out to me, and it's not going to give you a ton of value, would be Mike Conley getting nine and a half rebounds plus assists. Uh, I definitely have some interest in that one. It's only worth 90 points. You know, obviously, I'd love to give you guys one that I feel great about. That's 125, 110, 115. Uh, but they got these lines up here, and they they look pretty solid. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it definitely looks like a, it, it might be a, one of those, you know, crapshoot kind of nights here. So I'll go with one that I do feel confident in, and it's going to be Mike Conley getting at least nine and a half rebounds plus assists. So that brings us home, my friend. That is everything that we have. Give us a follow on Twitter. You can find Harris at H-A-K underscore devil. You can find me at Mike Patria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. Give us a thumbs up, five-star rate and review wherever you're listening, whether it's Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube. Subscribe wherever you listen. That way you can get that notification as soon as the podcast gets posted. Uh, looks like it got lost in the – we had one for today. Uh, and it didn't get posted. It got lost in like the you know the cloud, whatever you want to say. Um, just don't know. Santino crushed it last night. Sent it in. We posted it. We did everything that we normally do. And for some reason, it just never found the airwave. So try not to let that happen again. Uh, we didn't notice it until very very late. And at that point, it was you know I don't want to say it wasn't worth it, but this news changes so so fast anyway. Uh, that we wanted to make sure that's what we try to do them the night before most of the time. So that way you guys can get an early look as we get an early look. Maybe it's on your way into work. Maybe you listen to it late at night. But we do apologize for that. And Harris, is there anything else you would like to say before we hop out of, out of here? I'll just uh, wish everyone once again a happy new year. You know, I don't know for how it's looking out there, but in Canada, we're once again getting into situations where we may be seeing further restrictions, further lockdowns. So just keep safe. You know, stay uh, you know, stay safe with your family and uh, look forward to having a good slate on here and seeing you guys on the next one. Absolutely, guys. Take care. Let's go take down some tournaments. <laughs>